this it's been three months since the nba suspended their season following the announcement that a member of the utah jazz tested positive for the novel coronavirus a day that effectively marks the beginning of a new era in our lives At the time that happened which was march 11th oklahoma had only two confirmed cases of covid19 although i don't think we referred to it as such back then it was just coronavirus But now there are 7,848 confirmed cases as of this recording. And today, June 11th, 222 of those were reported just today, which is the most new cases ever reported in a single day here in Oklahoma. Protests concerning racism, racial inequality, police brutality continue across the country and here in Oklahoma. And also, we're just over two weeks away from our state primary election on June 30th. And this election is sure to be unlike anything most people have experienced. My name is Andy Moore. I'm the executive director of Let's Fix This. Joining me today, as always, are my two lovely co-hosts, Bailey Perkins. Hello. Hello, Andy. How are you? I'm here. All right. (laughs) And Scott Melson. Hello, sir. What's up, dude? How are you? Man, I'm glad it's Friday. Fair enough. Andy, one other thing that I think is important to mention in the beginning, that today marks the four-year anniversary since the tragic Pulse Orlando shooting. So, Oh, that was Jeez. today, wasn't it? Yeah. Today. Thank you, Bailey. Man. Yeah. I re- yeah. I remember that day strongly. <laughs> um, we have so many, like, awful anniversaries. Yeah, we really do. Before we talk about the election uh, that's coming up, let's start back with where we are with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so as I said earlier, 7,848 new cases diagnosed or reported uh, as of today. 222 of those were just from today, which is... Um, not good, Dan. <laughs> good. Um, uh, that's an increase, right? So the last, it looks like the last few days have been going up. Scott, I'm, as our resident physician here, um, I'll, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, man, it's not great. So um, we've had increases for several days in a row now, um, enough that now our seven-day moving average is trending up as well. So you know, I think the, you know, places like Oklahoma Watch, um, Dylan from KOCO, who tweets about this a lot. I mean, pretty much every day he's on top of the briefing. Um, the places that do the best job reporting about this don't report single day increases in cases. They report a seven day moving average to kind of smooth out the variance that you get from um, reports in the way that they tend to lag as you go into and come out of the weekend. Um, but now the seven day moving average has changed in a meaningful way. Um, this is concerning because you know it's it's going to be really easy to say as we talked about before that well as you're testing more you're going to find more which is true however over the last couple of weeks tests have remained relatively constant so i think it's really difficult to attribute this particular increase um in cases to 
in cases to a change in testing. Um, now, as of today, if you look at the seven-day moving average, it's now very close to, it's not quite at a peak, but it is almost as high as it was in early April when we had our previous peak, when we were really kind of at the at the at the beginning stages of the, like at our, at our worst part right like as our as it as it hit its highest um before we started this kind of downward trajectory we've been on for a few weeks now it may there there is a couple of reasons to think that it may not be like as bad as it sounds at first blush right um and one of those is because we are testing even though our testing numbers haven't changed appreciably in the last couple of weeks we are testing a lot more per day than we were testing then Right, so that peak came when the percent of tests that were positive was much higher than the percent of tests that are positive now. So it it's reasonable to think that when we had our previous peak, there were actually a whole lot of people, like a lot more people that had it that we missed because we didn't have the testing capacity and and our like our precision now, right? Like our 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 ability to like accurately hone in on what the true prevalence is is better now than it was then. So it may be that that this is a spike but if you could have tested at the same rate you know two months ago as we are today that the previous spike would have been much higher right mm -hmm. like i think that's a that's a reasonable thing to say mm -hmm. however it is 100 clear that we're at we are we are seeing a spike like now whether it's a spike that's going to keep going up for the next couple weeks or whether it's like a one-time thing that's maybe related to memorial day and it's going to go down here in the next couple of weeks, I'm not sure. Is this is this not so much a spike as it is like a moving of the plateau due to like like opening up our economy again? We just we don't know that yet. Um, one thing that I <coughs> that I think is important to get out there, two things. One, at this point, we haven't seen a similar uptick in hospitalizations or deaths, which is good. Um, two, I don't know this yet because it's too early, but there are spikes happening in other places around the country and this is happening in those places. There are gonna be people that say that the the increase is due to all of the protests that are happening. Um, and I can't speak to what's happening around the country, but for Oklahoma, I'm gonna go ahead and call bullshit on that argument <laughs> um, because I've been at at least one of the protests, one of the biggest ones. And like everybody I saw was wearing a mask and taking appropriate precautions and maintaining their distance. So, um, <laughs> If you were one of the people that I also saw out and about on Memorial Day at parties and pools who didn't have any masks on, I don't want to hear you like talking to any shit on people that were at the protests who had their masks on and were wearing gloves and were like taking all of the precautions that are recommended mm -hmm. for being outdoors with a big group of people. So that's all I have to say about that. Like, don't yeah. hear this shit about like it's the protests that are causing the spike in coronavirus. Well, and I'm glad you said that. I was going to say, you know, the it's so we're recording this on June 11th. So we're basically two weeks since Memorial Day uh, weekend. Right. And so right. As which is said, when you expect to see a spike. Right. Because we said back then in that episode that, you know, we were opening up. It was a holiday. And in a couple of weeks, we kind of expected to see an increase. And sure enough, here it is. Um, and so, yeah, if it continues... Uh, man, this we have talked for a long time about the expectation that there would be an increase this fall or winter, right? Like when flu season ticks up and people are indoors and all that. Um, but everyone kind of hung their hat on the hope that as temperatures got <coughs> warmer, there'd be a temperature effect. And I, I haven't looked into the data that deep yet to see if that's the case because it's it's all there's a lot of overlapping factors there. Um, but yeah, 
I mean, more folks are out um, and about, and if they are going to restaurants and bars and all that kind of, I mean, I drove by several uh, uh, local establishments that have patios, but the patios were crowded and, you know, maybe it's limited based on the size of your group, but uh, like if you and you and eight of your friends all come together, you can sit together and yeah. you have to sit six feet from the other group, but there's still eight of you in your group and, you know, who knows where they've all been. Yeah. Well, and doesn't seem like, well, first of all, I wanted to make this joke. So, uh, <laughs> Scott, uh, I guess it's safe to say that coronavirus isn't over. Uh, no, coronavirus <laughs> is not over. It appears, it appears that the Rona has not left us. So. <laughs> well, and I know that the governor had a trajectory of opening dates. And I know that June 15th was one of the dates that was on the list of the tiered reopening of Oklahoma's economy. And so I haven't seen any statements or indication that with this increase in um, cases that there's going to be any shifting of moving from full reopening. No. So, no. Well, and that, you know, what's interesting, like I talked to my, my grandmother the other day. She is in an assisted living home. I realized we're in the same state Senate district, too, even though she's in Bethany. Um, yeah. because of how Senate District 30 is shaped. I, and yeah. she's on the south side of, of 39th Street. And so I was like, oh, we're huh, we're in the same district. That's weird. Uh, anyway, I talked to her the other day because her facility, it's an assisted living center and they have like a nursing um, wing that they've added. So they've been on like complete lockdown. If you leave, like if she was to leave and go to my mom's house or something for even a couple of hours, then she has to... Um, stay in her apartment for 14 days, like in isolate, like they, and they're pretty strict about it. Cause you know, uh, one infection can spread like wildfire as we've seen in facilities like that. We just recently saw it in Hugo. Yeah. I think they said there was about 30 cases and that was just yeah. like not even a week ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Super bad. And although uh, we've told her, if you hear of a case, we're going to come get you. <laughs> we're busting yeah. you out. Um, and you can just come stay with us. Anyway, she they were set to relax those rules on June 15th. But she found out the other day that they pushed that back to July 1st. Okay. And with the increase in the last couple of days, she's like, I'm afraid they're going to push it back till the middle of July. And, you know, she will be 90 in August. And we're just praying that she... We'll find a way to get her out. Like, if that's the case, even if she's got to um, get out for her birthday party, we'll socially distance in the backyard. We don't want to get grandma sick, but yeah. the impact on her mental health is palpable. Like, it was a really difficult, you know, phone call from the beginning to the end. Yeah. she Her mood had improved. She got to see me and baby Margo and all that. But um, that's a long, lonely time just to be stuck in there. You know, I mean, <clears throat> as of right now, um, the 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 fastest kind of spike or the biggest spike seems to be happening in Tulsa. Um, you know, I think as far as I know, they don't have any like major public, you know, like <laughs> gatherings that are set to happen, no. which, which is good. I think they post everything at the BOK Center, right? <laughs> I just anyway, I sorry for those who don't know, President Trump is coming on like the worst possible day he could have chosen to like Tulsa his first to, rally to do his first rally, like less than a mile away from where. Sorry, Scott, um, I got to interject. Yes, do it. According to The Hill, his first post coronavirus oh. 
Yes. That's right. <laughs> yeah. He's, so he's coming. He's coming to a city on Juneteenth um, to do a rally, like near the district where Black Wall Street was, and like thousands of people were massacred. Um, and calling it a post-coronavirus rally as the city's in the middle of a coronavirus spike. So everything's fine. <laughs> there is. And just to say, in, in case any of our listeners aren't familiar with Juneteenth, uh, I grew up in Texas, and so, like, we actually had parades and stuff, right? And, like, especially out in East Texas. Um, Juneteenth is June 19th. It is the day that the slaves in Texas found out uh, that they were free, right? They, they read the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, a legitimately a good holiday, <laughs> um, and and on a personal note, my great times three grandfather Albert Evans was freed in Texas because of the Emancipation Proclamation, wow. and so for Holy a lot of black shit. folks, um, it really is a meaningful holiday because uh, you're right so... after that, his daughter went on a wagon train to Oklahoma uh, before statehood. And your, this is my great, my great times three grandfather. Great, great, great grandfather. Mm-hmm. Jesus. And then his daughter Lucinda is the reason why my people are in Oklahoma. So huh. did they go on my to father's Lawton? side? Did they go to Lawton then? Not, no, not Lawton then. Um, I'm trying to remember which all black town it was that they settled in first. Um, but my great grandmother Estella met my great-grandfather, Boise Copeland, um, who was from Tennessee and came to Oklahoma for work and a better life. Um, he and, and my great-grandmother got married and then um, ended up coming to Lawton at some point after having like my grandmother. And then my grandmother met my grandfather who was in the military. So that's the Lawton connection of how, because yeah. everyone's like, oh, are you military? And it's like, no, my, my family has. Right. Connect, well, have military connections, but yeah. it's just it's it's really special holiday for a lot of yeah. black folks who have that descendancy. Yeah, that's really cool. That's this is another episode, I guess. But like, I I would love to talk more about because at one point Oklahoma, um, there was talk about it being an all black state, right? Mm-hmm. Like we had a bunch of all black towns, and I don't think I I knew that until I was at the African American History Museum in D.C. a few years ago. We have more black towns than any other state in the nation. And there's about at least a dozen that are still active black towns to this day. So that's so cool. Um, My mother-in-law talks all the time about growing up in Boley and um, their family house still being out there and, and, and all of that. So that is a a part of our history that is not, (laughs) you know, like, there are many parts of our history um, that are not shared, and that is one of them that I think people need to know more about. It just never, it never ceases to amaze me. Just Bailey, hearing you say that about your great 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 grandfather, like we talk about, and I'm, you know, I'm probably as guilty of it as anybody else. Like we talk about these things like they're so far removed from us, and like they're not, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned the 1619 project last week. Um, um, which is just an, an incredible resource. I had gone through a lot of it a few months ago when it first when it was first published. Yeah. Um, and something I learned on the sixteen nineteen project that like blew blew my mind. Bailey, you you may know this already, and I think I've told Andy, so it's he's he's cheating. Um, but like it amazes it amazes me to learn this. And when I tell people this, when we have 
discussions about this. Um, when the last, like when the last person who was conscripted and kidnapped in Africa and brought to the United States on a slave ship, like when they died, like, cause you would think it would be like, like a long time ago. Right. Yeah. Like that's like, it was 1937. Yeah. Right. Like less than a hundred years ago. Yeah. Um, that's just. That's and my insane. grandmother was born in 36 and she's still living like. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, it's crazy. I mean, you know, we talked some, I wanted to bring this up because, you know, we talked, um, obviously we had a long discussion about, about race last week. And I think it's something that all of us are committed to, you know, I think making sure that we, um, when I say all of us, I mean, the three of us <laughs> are committed to making sure that like, when we're talking about like policy or politics, or when we, when we have topics on the show, making sure that like, that that's, um, that that's part of the discussion. So, we're talking about, you know, coronavirus and we're talking about, um, you know, this fact that it's spiking again and like what that means. And Bailey, you mentioned last week that coronavirus, like coronavirus is an issue of racism too, right? It disproportionately affects um, black and brown people or, you know, communities of color. And we talked about that last week, mostly I think in the context of like the healthcare system and access to healthcare and kind of, yeah. you know, where folks in those communities might live. Um, but there's another, another element to it too that I didn't know about until there's a study that came out this week. So there's a report published this week by the National Bureau of Economic Research um, that found that ostensibly, like mostly due to the lockdowns, which I think most of us would agree were necessary, the number of African-American business owners in this country um, plummeted from 1.1 million in February to 640,000 in April. Like that's a loss of 440,000 black business owners, that's 41% of black business owners in in the US. Um, and it's partially due to like the lockdowns, but it's also because the majority are a, a lot of black business businesses, like up to 95%, and that's a statistic coming from the Center for Responsible Lending, um, about 95% of black businesses were ineligible to receive paycheck protection program funds because they don't have employees. So it's a single proprietorship with no employees, which meant they weren't eligible for PPP funds, which is like something that is, if you're the person who's yeah. crafting that policy, like yeah. you may not think that that's like a systemically like racist policy, but if it affects 95% of like black owned businesses, it is whether you meant right. it or not, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just like it's it. This goes like so deep, and it influences our policy and governance in in so many ways. And anyway, I just I'm I, so glad you brought that up because sometimes we look at these issues as if they're not intentionally or overtly, you know, harmful. Then like it's not racist, but like. Right there's a lot of overt decisions that disproportionately impact black and brown people all the right. time that right. even if it's not um intentional like it, it, it is it's racist it's a structural racism issue and, and i'm glad right. that you you brought that out yeah i mean you should I, you, go ahead sorry no i was gonna i was just gonna um give bailey some props too for the um the forum live stream i don't know what you want to call it you um you guys put together um the yes. other night um that i we were watching um and it's uh black women voices right 
Yes. Um, and or BW Voices, I think, on all the social media channels. I was listening or watching downstairs, um, and Katie was upstairs nursing the baby, and I like kept hearing this echo, and so I walked into the living room, and I realized that she was watching it upstairs, um, and so we awesome. we weren't together, and I was like, are you watching this? Yeah, yeah, okay, great. Um, and so we, <laughs> we were able to watch it separately and then discuss yeah. it later, but uh, I thought you guys did a really excellent job. Not guys, you um, ladies did an excellent job. Um, it was very thoughtful, and I, in particular, like, the personal experiences um, that each of you shared. I, I'm, I mean, I know you and Councilwoman Nice and Sky, uh, known you know the, y'all for a long time, but um, and Cherie, uh, but the other two were I haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet, and so it was I hadn't heard any of their stories, and it was all very um, eye-opening and like I think it's so different when it's people that you know that you interact with to sure. like it's a good grounding in like a different kind of way so anyway also you guys spun that up super quickly and yeah. put it out there and that was really uh, Bailey, exciting too is there anywhere is there anywhere on the interwebs that folks that couldn't watch it can view it is it posted anywhere people can stream it yes yeah, so it's recorded and it's on the facebook channel black women voices and then it's also on twitter at b w v o k c that's what it is. Okay. Cool. And so we hope to have more conversations because a lot of these issues really are um, deep rooted into the fabric of who we are. And Camille Landry did an excellent job of framing it in that direction. And so we'll have a lot more conversations going forward about structural and systemic racism on a variety of fronts, whether it's healthcare, um, in the news in the workplace, all these different areas to help expose and, and open people's perspective of the very examples that you gave, Scott, that something that seems on the surface like it's supposed to help everyone, you know, inadvertently excluded black businesses, a majority of black businesses to where they weren't able to even take part in a program that's supposed to help aid small businesses. And so uh, we wanna continue fostering those conversations because um, we have to get away from just talking about, you know, the interpersonal ideas about racism, right? It's not like hugging a, me hugging a white man is not going to fix the thing that Scott right. <laughs> was just talking about, right? right. So, right. I mean, it, that is important of, you know, changing hearts and minds and ideas about not um, having prejudice against people. But we really have to talk about these systemic and structural things to make us rethink mm -hmm. um, what has become the norm mm -hmm. that perpetuates racism. So I feel like that's a, I feel like that maybe, cause what, what does change those things? What changes the like systemic, the, the systemic biases and policies and influences those decisions are elections. And as we're, we're running short on time, so that may be a great transition Absolutely. into our next topic, which is talking about uh, the, I don't know what the word is. Was, is it, debacle catastrophe like disaster in elections that happened um particularly in georgia this week and that but, connects to racism because there's a yeah, lot of black folks right? in georgia yeah. right. who probably right. were one of the ones that didn't get their ballots so right, yeah. <laughs> i mean people yeah I, we saw this in michigan or wisconsin one of those like earlier in the year with their presidential primary yeah where there was long lines yeah it was like in detroit right and again disproportionately affected uh 
uh, communities of color. Um, there, were, I saw the interview and a video uh, with a, a black man in Detroit who waited like eight hours to vote, and he was like, "I'm," and he he was old enough to say, "Like, listen, they I didn't used to get to vote, and I'm gonna make sure that I my vote counts now." But um, even with their vote by mail, allegedly a vendor that yeah. they were using. Um, said that they got uh, 96% of the ballots mailed out, but the state was saying 100% of the ballots were mailed out. And so even at 4%, I'm sure that's like yeah. a few thousand people who were expecting to get that mail-in ballot and didn't. Like right. that, even if it's 1% of people right. that didn't get their ballot, that's still unacceptable in an election process. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote King James right here, and I don't mean the King James Bible. I mean uh, LeBron James. Um, he, had a, he had a tweet, uh, I think on, on Tuesday, about this issue. And he said, everybody's talking about how do we fix this. They said, go out and vote. He said, what about asking if how we vote is also structurally racist? Right. Um, yes. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, you're talking about Georgia. The counties that were um, most affected were uh, Cobb, DeKalb, Fulton, and Gwinnett. Um, I believe that DeKalb County, I think, is right and particularly yep. particularly uh black um and then there were also concerns i think that i think cobb maybe as well um because yeah there's a big part of atlanta that's in fulton that's in fulton yeah. as well yeah. um and so yeah i mean we saw people standing in line for hours and hours and hours well after a midnight. personal friend of mine and his husband stood in line for three hours to vote. Yeah. I mean, there were reports of that were police being called like to escort people from polling places after midnight. And they were like, no, we're not leaving. And like, then that causes for like, that causes problems, obviously. Um, so how, how do we think that like, you know, Oklahoma, right. Um, we got, we got some stuff coming up. We got a uh, state question 802 is going to be on the ballot here in the June primary. Um, we've got uh, a primary for Oklahoma County Sheriff. Um, and then that's just in June. I, I don't think anybody, hopefully after our discussion today, nobody thinks that coronavirus is just going to be gone in November. So how... Well, the interesting thing to lift here too is that like the folks who often are the poll workers are the immunocompromised, are our seniors. Right. <laughs> so that's right. going to add another element of um, concern about the efficiency of elections in, in Oklahoma's election cycle. Yeah. So how so, do, how does Oklahoma avoid what happened in how does Oklahoma avoid what happened in Georgia and Wisconsin? Like how do we not let that happen here? I, a couple of things. So, ironically, we saw this week the state election board put out the advice, the request that as many people vote by mail as you can because that takes the pressure off of election day. And I was like, but didn't you guys just make it more difficult? Like, yeah. seemed to me like someone I know so was involved. Is it? in this. <laughs> do, it's do super easy. My, right. It's super easy if you have a driver's license and access to a copy machine. Right. Right. Or if you happen to have paid attention. Because so in Oklahoma County, I, I talked to a, a friend the other day. As of the the 6th, I think. So earlier, like last Friday or something. Um in Oklahoma County itself, there had been 22,000 people that have requested absentee ballots for June. That is up from about 8,000 two years ago in the last primary, right? Which was a pretty high turnout election. So that's a huge increase in absentee voting. And the state election board said they were nervous because it was so much so busier, so much busier last time 
because they got to process all those. You got to open them all up and you know do that. And mm-hmm. so, but I think he he truly saw what's happening in Georgia. And if I was the secretary, I would be nervous also. Like, sure. um, so the state election board said, you know, please vote by mail, and you definitely should. I'm going to make a video. I've got my absentee ballot right here. You can hear it. Um, a lot of paper do- in there. <laughs> yeah, there's, <laughs> there's two ballots. There's two pieces of instruction, and there's two envelopes inside. So, or three envelopes. Three envelopes inside. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to um, make a video about how to vote by mail. I've already made one about how to register to vote by mail, and I um, will do this one and, and put it out soon this week um and then the other thing is that i actually got a a call from uh oklahoma city mayor david holt today um and he um he's i was dropping off my daughter and um so my phone rang and i was like uh excuse me i have to answer this is unexpected and he was basically calling because he had just spoken with the oklahoma county election board so there's the state election board and then each county has their own election board and secretary uh doug sanderson of the oklahoma county election board had been talking to the mayor and said hey we are way short on poll workers right and if you don't have enough poll workers then you have to close polling places and so he was asking for the mayor's help in getting the word out and the mayor called me and i'm sure many other people um, at similar organizations to help get the word out <clears throat> as quick as we can. Uh, we the are majority of them are over the age of <laughs> And I think yeah. most of them are even over the age of 70. Yeah. So it's a lot of retirees who are typically the yeah. poll workers who sit there, you know, from whatever time the polls open till they close. And I think yeah. you're paid, what, like $12 an hour or something? something? Like that. Yeah, it's a paid position. Something? Yeah. And I thought it was yeah. volunteer. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's paid. No, no, it's paid. It's not a paid a lot. I think it may be like up to $80 a day or something of that nature, but yeah, it is like compensated in a small way. Yeah. Here's a thought. Pay, raise the minimum wage to what we pay our poll workers. <laughs> <laughs> Another we make struct- it a few, then. structural thing we can talk about. Right. Um, um, yeah, so anyway, on behalf of Mayor Holt and Secretary Sanderson and the Let's Pod This crew, listeners, if you've got time on June 30th, to work the polls if you can take a day off or if if unfortunately your you know your employment situation is uh unsecure right now insecure um then here's a way to make some money and give back to your community they are hosting some trainings this next week i think they're having three trainings you don't have to go to one of them but there's three opportunities all you got to do is call your county election board so whether you're in oklahoma county canadian logan cleveland I guarantee every county needs poll workers. Um, also, it could be fun. Like, you get to meet a ton of your neighbors, right? Because you're working for a precinct that I think in which you live, and so everyone's there. Um, and you get to pass out the stickers. Like, that's yeah, the best part. That's right. So, um, can, I, I'll, can I interject? If you yes. elect to sign up as a poll worker, please, please, for the love, wear a mask. Please wear a mask. I think they're like, providing can, that too. You should wear a mask everywhere you go. That's like not either not your house or not something that's like outside where you're either with a very small group or you can maintain this distance from people. Other than those two situations, you need to wear a mask all the time. 
Right. If you go into the woods just to have a primal scream to get it out, you can take your mask off. But yes, once you people. when you get to your primal screaming spot, yeah, then you may remove your mask. Right. <laughs> um, so I know your listeners. If you have a pen handy, please write down the following two phone numbers for Oklahoma County Election Board. The phone number is four zero five seven one three one five one five. Again, that's four zero five seven one three. 1515. Give them a buzz. Tell them you want to be a poll worker. If there's anyone in Tulsa County that's interested, they also need poll workers. Their secretary's name is Gwen Freeman, and their phone number is 918 596 5780. Again, that's 918 596 5780. I will also put these phone numbers and the email addresses in the show notes for this episode. So if you just click the details in your podcast app, you can read all of this, as well as some other notes. I also have a link. Uh, I'll put links in there to the Black Woman Voices video that we mentioned a few minutes ago. And I uh, I recently interviewed my friend Michelle Bowie, who she is a barista at Elemental Coffee in Oklahoma City. And she has been a poll worker in Cleveland County for the last few years. Um, and she just shared a little bit about her experience. Uh, I've talked to her a whole bunch about it, and it's fascinating um like what they learn um, just what it's like um yeah. it's not necessarily a high-paced job although it can be busy at times but yeah, depending on where you are so yeah so anyway if you just want to hear um straight from someone who's actually done it there's it's like a five-minute video that's so i'll make the i'll put the and link. it's so important that we have informed people who will give people accurate information as poll workers so please take that time sign up um, because you're helping other people exercise their right to vote and participate in our systems. Because there's been countless stories of people telling folks like, oh, you can't vote because you don't have an ID. That's not true. That's right. <laughs> Ask for that provisional ballot, you know? And so um, we definitely need good people. And if you don't live in either Oklahoma County or Tulsa County, go to elections.ok.gov and get the contact information for your county election board. Yeah. And we try to plug this every year, I think. Um, but if you've never done it, like if you're not sure, if you're not sure about anything about voting, like, you know, you don't know who, what district you live in, where your polling place is, you're curious about who your current representative is, um, you're a state senator, any, any anything, you can go to um, your county election board website or the state election board website, and they have an online voter tool that's like, super helpful you put in your name and i think it's your name and your birthday um maybe your address and it like it it gives you all the information that you could ever need about like who who you're able to vote for like all the districts you live in everything from school to county commissioner um to state legislative districts and you can also request a sample ballot which we've talked about before which is a great way to like do uh do your homework before uh to do your homework before you walk into the polling booth or before you fill out that absentee ballot. Yeah. Absolutely. I just, um, Senator Julia Kurt just shared on Facebook actually 12 minutes ago, um, a thing about the election board needing poll workers. If you're interested in attending the training, you must wear a protective mask or face shield and you must bring, um, some ID with you. Ideally your driver's license and social security card is best. Um, the trainings will be at the County Election Board over on 42nd and North Lincoln. Um, and there's there's a whole bunch of trainings. They're on the 
there's some right now as we're recording this um and then monday the 15th wednesday the 17th and friday the 19th they have morning and afternoon sessions available each of those days um so i will share this on all of our social media channels as well but um i think i may do it i'm gonna i think my schedule is free on the 30th i may try to do same. it same i'm gonna take the day off and and do the same Right on. Scott, uh, tell your patients to vote. You can do that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I can do. I can tell, tell them yeah. if, you haven't, if you haven't voted yet, do it when you leave the office or get off the video chat. Yeah. So, um, Scott, a minute ago, you, well, several minutes ago, you asked, what can Oklahoma do to avoid the fate of Georgia or Michigan with our election? We can vote by mail, right? You can vote early, which we haven't talked about. But early voting will be Thursday, Friday, and Saturday morning mm -hmm. before Election Day. So no Monday. Is, mm -hmm. So that's Thursday the 25th, Friday the 26th, and then Saturday the 27th, but just like 8 to noon. Um, yeah, at the county election boards. Right. So yeah, don't so, show up to your polling place because nobody will be there that day. Yeah. Um, so you can vote early. Um, and hopefully relieve some of the pressure on election day. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a whole week or two of early voting? Because other go. states have it. So. Imagine that. Imagine that. Um, so you could vote. <laughs> we hashtag that. <laughs> so Somebody should. Hashtag <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> we, what so if we can, made it easier to vote instead of harder? Hashtag imagine that. Right. If there was no notary requirement and you could even register the day of um, things that are things. These are things yeah. that exist. These are ideas that people do. Or not having to go to a specific polling place. Like, because other Ooh. states. Yeah. Because that can be confusing for some folks who are like, oh, man, I forgot to update my voter registration and I moved and now they're stuck. Right. being two hours away from their polling place and they can't participate. So. Right. Or like, there's a polling place that's about a block from my house. I can see it, but it's not my polling place. Mine is like half a mile the other direction. Yes. Um, and that seems silly. So I can walk to one or have to drive to the other. Let's reimagine voting, Oklahoma. Right. <laughs> reimagine that. That's what we... Um, so... Vote by mail, vote early, and then you can vote on election day. Um, just so you know, like it's usually busiest early in the morning and after work, people that go to work. Um, obviously, that'll be a little bit different this time. But if you can go at a non-peak time, like, I don't know, 10 a.m. or 2 p.m. might be helpful to alleviate some of the stress. Although I think with the potential that polling places might be closed, they are supposed to... The county election board is supposed to notify you if your polling place is closed. They should ma mail you a letter. Um, so they're going to have to make that determination here in the next like week. Yeah. Um, and so check your mail. And, and you might even go look online because there's a chance that you might not get the letter in time. Like Lots of things could happen that would result in suppressed turnout, even potentially unintentionally, right? Yeah. Um, and be sure to talk to your employer in advance because there are many companies and organizations that allow people um, a window of time to go and vote. But be sure to talk to your HR professionals or um, your supervisor in advance to figure out what the protocols are for your job 
to be allowed to vote on election day. And depending on what your job, if you're a shift worker, um, it's required by law that they allow you to vote, but they will have a policy and procedure about how they do that. So 100% early. Don't just be like, I can roll in whenever I feel like it and be three hours late and say you were standing in line. That's not how it works. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Still right. a right to work state, y'all. So yeah. ask in advance. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Do the thing. Um, all right. Well, um, I think that about does it for this episode. I think next week, um, we haven't yet uh, revealed the winner of the Predicto-Rama for this year's legislative session. And maybe next week we'll plan on that. And also we could talk a little bit about interim studies because they're starting to percolate in the background, right? Like they're not holding them yet, but they're talking about them. And I don't remember when the... Bailey, do you know the cutoff for when they're going to notify which ones have been approved? I, that's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head. For some reason, I feel like I feel like the date June twenty sixth is floating around in my head, but I couldn't just. It's possible I just made that up. Like it may have that may have like that may have nothing to do with it. But like in my head, it's June twenty sixth. Right. That's when Scott's going to request his. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I. I actually, I, I did request one. I had a, I had a, a legislator request one on my behalf last year. It did not get approved. Huh. What was it? Uh, an interim study looking at the, uh, like, basically looking at the uh, impact, the fiscal and economic impact of gun violence in Oklahoma on children and what that, like, how that, like, missed work days for parents and health care costs and all that kind of stuff. But because it had the word gun violence in it, I'm pretty sure it didn't get approved, so... Yeah, there's just one kind of gun bills to get approved up there. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not that kind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bad right. reality. Bad reality. Scott, thank you very much for being here. Always a pleasure. Bailey, thank you. Thank you. That brings us to the end of this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Pod This on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to this fine program because that helps other people discover us. You know what else helps people discover us? You telling them about us. So tell your friends. I know many of you are, if you're like me, your podcast listening habits have changed along with uh, your commute and your work situation. So get out there, go for a run or a walk, listen to a little Let's Pod This, stay in the loop, and also tell your friends. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram. We are at Let's Fix This Okay. Scott is at SC Melson. Bailey is at Bailey M. Perkins. I'm Andy and at Andy OKC. And like our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash let's fix this okay. Our website is let's fix this okay.org. And on there, you should sign up for our newsletter, which I'm going to send one out here shortly with uh, information about voting and the election board. Uh, you can also stay up to date about any upcoming events, which would largely be online. And that reminds me, Scott and Bailey, we should at some point talk about the election night show. And if we want to do something about that. Lots of nods. That's very exciting. All right, you can also make a donation and have to sponsor this podcast and our organization. That would be helpful. Look up CivicsCon on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, watch some of those videos as well. Um, that was a really fun thing to produce. And I edited all of those so you can watch them for the pleasure of your own home. Let's Fix This is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization that strives to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage the government. We encourage you to get involved any way you can. And remember, decisions are made by those who show up. Have a great week, everybody.